This podcast is brought to you by Cross Catholic Outreach. Last year, Cross Catholic Outreach provided over 30 million meals to families in need around the world. Join us in our global effort to reduce material and spiritual poverty. Learn more at crosscatholic.org bless. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Welcome to Holy Smokes Catholic Review, your weekly dose of good cigars and the good news. This podcast is brought to you by St. John Vianney Catholic Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Incensing the temple today, Father Scott Mansfield, pastor and former rock radio DJ, Tony Willemitis, the guy who knows everything, and Will Tapia, the guy who thinks he knows everything. Now, here's your host, Father Scott. Thank you, Scotty Chapin. It is Holy Smokes Catholic Review. I am your host, Father Scott. Tony's going to be joining us very soon. William, a little bit later on tonight, or this time around. Uh, we have a special guest, Robert De Pasquale. He uh, is along with me. I do a podcast, another podcast called The Catholic Beef. So uh, it features me. Robert De Pasquale and John Reynolds. So um, it is an apologetics podcast. In fact, we are in the middle of a uh, series on the Immaculate Conception. So Robert's going to be here to tell us, uh, by the way, this guy knows his scripture inside and out. So he's going to be joining us uh, to talk about that podcast, which, by the way, is available on iTunes, Google Play, and on the website sjvnm.org. So he will join us. And uh, so, again, to talk about that podcast, and then we'll find out a few things about him. Okay? All right. So uh, we have cigar review today. I haven't smoked anything. I know I promised, but it didn't happen. So hopefully the other two guys will have something to review. I've been smoking just Padron 7000 Naturals. I know, I know, I know. I know, I promised. But hopefully next week. Okay. Uh, we'll have a game show as well coming up in just a little bit. And then we will review the gospel for the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time. Okay, so while I wait for the guys, here's some news items. First being this, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know it's finger-licking good. However, because of the coronavirus, they are going to drop that slogan, finger-licking good. So it is no longer finger-licking good. Because they don't want you licking your fingers because of the pandemic. But my question is, when you eat chicken, don't you use your fingers? Hmm. You know, I was thinking about this. What about flossing? When you floss, don't you stick your fingers in your mouth to some degree? So are we going to get, uh, you know, some directive from the American Medical or the, uh, what is it, the uh, American Dental Association? saying that we shouldn't floss because of the coronavirus. So, yeah, no more finger licking good, which, by the way, that slogan's been around since, I don't know, before the original Colonel Sanders. 
And that guy goes back to, I don't know, the 1700s. I don't even know. So it's been around for a long, long time, that slogan. Now they're going to drive it because of the uh, pandemic. Yep. I think we're all going cuckoo. Um, so this item, there's a, a priest uh, from Detroit. He was ordained, what, three years ago? All right. So we talked last week on, or was it the week before, any case in the podcast, about how Rome sent out a directive uh, uh, saying, look, you cannot, a person, either a priest or deacon, cannot baptize using the words, we baptize you. Has to be, I baptize you, because the one baptizing is actually stepping in for the person of Christ, is an instrument for the person of Christ. Just like in, in, uh, you know, the, the sacrament of reconciliation, okay, I absolve you. We don't say we absolve you. I absolve you because it's Jesus who is doing the absolving. The priest is the instrument or the vessel. Okay. So, you know, these people there, they want to be cute and inclusive and progressive. Isn't it wonderful? We're the church. And so they change the words of, of the, the baptism, the right to we baptize you. We, the entire community baptize you. Well, that's invalid. Okay. It's an invalid baptism. Okay, so just like in the Eucharist, you know, we can't have everyone come up around the altar and pretend like we're all confecting the Eucharist. That's the priest role. Same thing in, in uh, reconciliation, you know. Priest doesn't say, we, the church, baptize uh, or, or absolves you. You know, I, I absolve you from your sins, okay? So in any case, all right, so that's invalid. Same thing I mentioned, you know, two weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, that uh, you cannot use or change the words to, I baptize you in the name of the, the uh, creator, the redeemer, and the sanctifier. That's not the three persons of the Trinity. That's uh, functions of the three, uh, of the three persons of the Trinity. Okay, so, so uh, it, the baptism has to be, you know, water, got to have the person. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this priest who's been ordained for three years now from, uh, I think, Detroit, so he uh, was watching a video of, of when, he w- he, when he was baptized. I guess someone in the family filmed his baptism. So he's watching it. And the deacon who baptized him said, we baptize you. Okay, so that means that's an invalid baptism. So his confirmation was invalid. His ordination to the priesthood is invalid. And not to mention all those weddings he's performed in those three years. Okay, invalid. What about the baptisms, all those baptisms that uh, he himself, you know, the people he baptized? Okay, the, the, the sacrament of reconciliation, all the people he um, absolved are not really absolved. So, you know, this is a mess. So if you're a priest or a deacon, don't change the words. Just follow the words in the book, okay? And so we don't fall in. I don't want, that's a mess. They got to try to go back three years and fix all this. It's going to take a long time. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, hey, listen, got a a nice little note from uh, Spencer Scott Harris, who is in the Navy, one of our fans, one of the few fans we have. (laughs) Anyway, so he is on a ship. He's in the Navy. He wrote to say that he still listens to our podcast uh, every week. So I want to say hi to him and uh, wish him uh, a speedy trip back to, uh, well, back home and uh, a joyful one at that. So thank you for serving our country, Scott. Um, Want a big shout out, give a big shout out that is to uh, Edwina Herrera. She made me a shirt, she got this machine, I guess. 
and uh, it makes sure or it puts the message on a shirt, you know, like a, you know. So she she made a uh, Holy Smokes Catholic Review shirt. You can make the mask, you can make hats and all, all kinds of things. So, you know, she spoils us rotten around here. So, Edwana, thank you for the shirt. I'm sure it'll be the envy of the uh, other two guys who will be here uh, shortly. Okay? So, thanks again. All right. So, hey, listen, I want to uh, get serious for a second and um, mention, you know, we have the— uh, and I know we, we say we're not going to talk about politics, but um, so, but there's something that does bother me. And that is the fact that um, we have people running for office, okay, Um, either high office or lower office, but who profess faith in Christ uh, publicly, you know, say very proudly, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Christian. Uh, In particular, I'm a Catholic, okay, who in the same breath will uh, uh, express their uh, uh, of support for abortion, okay, and other things, but abortion is a big thing, the biggest thing, okay? So, you know, it just bothers me, and it should bother all of us, you know, to say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a practicing, I'm a devout Catholic, but I believe in a woman's right to choose an abortion. Well, look, that is, what is the teaching of the church? What is the teaching of Jesus Christ? Is God not pro-life? So this is a very big contradiction, okay? Um, so let me let me just let me just uh, say this, okay? When I was in the seminary, all right, um, we we had well, I was one who when I started the seminary, I lacked some college credits, so the seminary sent me, and there was a, a group of guys, small group of guys. We were sent to a, and I won't tell you where. I uh, won't, won't use any names, but they sent us to a, a small Catholic university close by. Okay, this was uh, uh, in the uh, upper north, uh, yeah, the central north, north central part of the country. Okay, so they sent us off to this little uh, Catholic university. And uh, one of the classes we took, uh, a, uh, a group of us took a, uh, a religion class. Now, the guy teaching the class was a, uh, a former priest. He left the priesthood and got married. So he attempted to teach us that Joseph is the biological father of Jesus. Okay, so what? This is a Catholic, former priest in a Catholic university teaching that Joseph is the biological father of Jesus. Thus, that's a denial of the virgin birth. So I raised my hand and I protested. Well, he got very angry and he snapped at me saying, well, if Joseph is the father of Jesus, does that, uh, does that mean Jesus is any less divine? Now, at the time, I didn't know. Okay, so I didn't answer him. I know now, and had I known then what I know now, I would have ripped him. Okay, but, but that's, that's heretical teaching. Don't you have a problem with that? You should have a problem with that. Uh, a person, a, a, a Catholic, former priest teaching in a Catholic university, and it's not just some seminarians going to school there, men, women, uh, you know, young men, young women, okay, laity, right? Trying to learn the faith and being taught something so contrary to what has been revealed to us. What has been taught by the church for 2,000 years. Another professor in that same university, okay, also teaching religion, denied 
the, resur the bodily resurrection of Christ, saying Jesus didn't really raise body and soul from heaven or, or from the tomb. Okay, so that's, that's heretical. Don't you have a problem with that? So I have a problem with that. And in the same way, I have a problem with people running for office who, uh, you know, pro-choice, uh, abortionist who, you know, proudly, pro you know, profess their faith in Christ, that they follow Jesus, they're good Catholics and good Christians. It's a problem. Okay. I just, I have a real problem with that. All right. So uh, you should too. All right. Uh, and just, I know we're not political. And by the way, you know, well, you're, you're slamming on Democrats. Well, uh, just keep in mind when uh, Mitt Romney was running for president against Obama. Okay. Uh, and his running mate was Paul Ryan. I was very critical of Romney because Romney, who said, oh, I'm pro-life. But then he started making exceptions. I said, well, that's not pro-life. That's being selectively pro-choice. Okay. Or selectively pro-life. You know, you can't, there's no exceptions. And then Catholic Paul, Paul Ryan, uh, you know, he, he joined in. He started wobbling on his, and he's Catholic. He started wobbling on the position. So I was very critical of them. Okay. Uh, Bill O'Reilly once said, uh, conservative Bill O'Reilly, right? So I used to watch his show. Uh, he was talking about the baby in the womb being a potential person. And I even wrote him a letter saying, no, that's an actual person. It's a potential teenager. It's a potential, you know, high school teacher, a potential police officer, but it's an actual person in the womb. Okay, so I was very critical. So this is not a slam on one party or the other. It's the person. And if you're going to say that you're Catholic, a follower of Jesus, then you know what? Be guided by what Jesus taught, what is contained in the Bible and what is contained in the catechism, what is written and that which we call tradition. And that, my friends, is my comment. Let's bring in Tony. Hey. 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 And we got Robert De Pasquale. Pasquale. There you Pasquale. go. Use your words. There you go, Father. That's it. How many times have you guys recorded together? Pasquality? Have you? Have you? Over two years. <laughs> do, you know, do you know his last name? <laughs> yeah, it's Pasquale. But you know what? That's kind of cool. Pasquality. Pasquality? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Is That's that like, like good quality? It's a, a good, good quality good to be quality. Paschal. It's a good, yeah, it's a good. The, the good, quality of being Paschal. That's, it's, you know, that is, that's good, good quality of Paschal. That's good quality Paschal. <laughs> huh. Well, yeah. Hello again. And uh, hello, Rob. Welcome. And uh, glad you could be on our, um, on this side of the podcast. Now you're on the other podcast that you do with Father. The Catholic Beef. Do you guys still, is, is my name still attached to that? I might be. I <laughs> no, actually, no. Am I getting any no, royalties from that? No, Father, it's, you finally were removed from the Was I removed song. officially? Yeah, I never, well, I, it's unfortunate. You guys always recorded on times when I couldn't make it. So yeah. this was the yeah. one I could make it to, and the other one I couldn't make it to. I would have loved to have been a part of that. Of course, you guys have very, you know, good, strong uh, voices there, like Rob, and you also have John Reynolds. And John knows his stuff, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and Robert really knows his so that's stuff. The, so. That's the Catholic beef. Yeah, and, and, and Gary Padilla. And Gary Padilla, not to mention. Yeah. yeah. Uh, founding father of that podcast. And in fact, so that the Catholic beef, it uh, records just like the Holy Smokes does mm -hmm. like this one, but it re it's a separate podcast and people can find it also on the same places they find the Holy Smokes, right? That's right. SJVNM.org or Google iTunes or iTunes and right. Google Play. Now, okay. So other than uh, the current agricultural statistics in the state of New Mexico, what else do you guys cover? 
whatever uh, we want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The Catholic beef is just a, is, is a little bit misleading. It actually just is, is referring to the meat of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys yeah. are getting into apologetics. Yeah, just it's just strictly. I, I joke when I say whatever we want to, but it is strictly apologetics. Yeah. And we're in the middle of a series now on the Immaculate Conception, which I think is just fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. so like this is the, so the Catholic beef would be something that people would listen to if they wanted to um, learn more about their faith mm-hmm. and then especially learn how to answer objections and questions about their faith. Would you say mm-hmm. that's true, Rob? Oh, absolutely. And uh, another thing, too, you know, a lot of us uh, over the years don't have all the answers. And it's nice to have a podcast like this. If you run into a family member or some other person that you know and they ask you a question, you can almost just get this podcast loaded on their phone and off they go. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, so these, these podcasts that you do, they're also good to just hand off to people that might have questions. Um, in other words, not just like informing you to help answer the questions, but you could also just say, Hey, why don't you, you know what? I don't know all the answers, but there's this uh, podcast called Catholic beef that, that those guys seem to know all the answers right. we could, and you can just <laughs> tell your relative or your friend or your coworker to go listen to episode, whatever on such and such. And that's right. And that's what I would do. Say, you know what? I really don't know the answer to this question, this, you, you, know, you know, this objection you have. Yeah. But I know this, uh, there's this podcast out there called Catholic Beef. You know, here it is. I'll send it to you, uh, you know, on the phone, and then you can just listen to it. Right on. And then, you know, you can get your answer. That's pretty cool. So now, okay, so what are some of the topics? You just mentioned Immaculate Conception. That's a big one. Of course, I've gotten that one. uh, I've gotten that topic come up in conversation with non-Catholics more than once. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some other topics that you guys have covered? You know, in in discussing the Immaculate Conception, we've also talked about the uh, the blessed mother the images of the blessed mother as the new eve okay uh, mary is the new or the ark the the new ark of the covenant or the ark of the new covenant there you go okay uh we've talked about the perpetual virginity of the blessed mother uh we've talked about the i think the eucharist before, the eucharist just a whole number of baptism things. probably baptism. all the sacraments yeah we started the whole series with uh, the sacraments and the yeah. initial i'm so few. sorry hello I'm not even sure what's happening to my phone right now. Lots of beeps. My phone is the one that um, sounds like a, what is it? What? Uh, On Star Trek. Oh, the... uh the treble, the treble, oh, the, tr- the tribbles, the tribbles. Yeah, my yeah, phone the is the one that sounds like tribbles, and then of course it, the ringtone sounds like a triple too. Okay, so you cover a number of different topics, and you guys have been doing this. How long has the Catholic beef been well, around? Well, I tell you, we've been like a year. Actually, no, it's been over two years. We started this two whole years. thing came. If you want, if you if you recall, Father, this thing started about two years ago. Well, we got sidelined by the corona. Well, yeah, but we, so we missed sure. about six weeks. But it was over two years ago in July of 2018 that. Uh, you and I were at dinner with Steve and Maria Walters, and they actually were telling you about uh, an apologetics group that we were doing at our house, and then you had the thought about doing an apologetic podcast. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that night. And then so we launched it. We right. got in touch with Gary, and then we decided to do it, and we did it, and we've been doing it ever since, with the exception of, and it was longer than six weeks. I mean, we were down for a couple months a couple months yeah you know what i think it's pretty cool about this because you know there's a lot of apologetics material out there right now for Mm -hmm. catholics but what's cool about this local effort is that uh for one for local listeners anyway this is going to capture a lot of the local experience of catholics right in this Mm -hmm. area of new mexico for instance so like say you're listening to the other podcast holy smokes or i I guess this podcast because we're on holy smokes right now (laughs) i'm getting confused (laughs) all the podcasts um 
But if you're listening to Holy Smokes podcast and then, you know, and then you're, uh, you know, having questions or something comes up in our conversation, you know, with Will and myself and Father, or maybe like you're just at work. So, I don't doubt that like there's a sociological phenomenon that that Catholics will experience in local places, right? So there is a unique experience of Catholics in New Mexico, and that's going to come through on a podcast like what you guys are doing with Catholic Beef, that's right? right? And I because you're we, local boys, I mean, right? You and know? We try to make it simple enough so that it's not too far over the heads of because I've li- I've listened to some you know Catholic uh, uh, sites uh, or uh, podcasts that you know some of the information there it's it's over the head, yeah. Well, that's why I was going to say the second part of what I like about this Cali Beef podcast you guys are doing is that you're all, you all come from, you know, normal backgrounds. And um, and so your experience is very normal. And then, you're, you know, the, the material you're going to delve into is going to be kind of like on a quote unquote normal level. Yeah. And, it, and it's very understandable and easy. And also, I think it's easy to be able to take the information and then to go out, you know, in your dialogues with your, your non-Catholic friends who are, or people just want to know and then be able to transmit that information to them. Right. So that the people they're transmitting to will be able to easily understand. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And, what and, I, and plus we give everything's backed up by scripture. I mean, everything we, we talk about, everything is backed up by scripture. That's right. Well, in the, on the first couple of episodes that I actually did participate in, I remember Rob always there with his, uh, he even brought his Bible tonight. Um, he has with him and, um, and he had some other books the nights that I were there, that I was there. And um, so Rob, uh, what, what is it about your background that got you into being interested in Catholic apologetics and, and why you continue to be kind of like a fan of it now. Well, yeah, actually, because, because you're, he's a, you know, he's an accountant, right? Like yeah. his day job, it's like, he's like Superman. His yeah, day super. job is one thing. And then he goes into a telephone booth. And he's like super, night, super banker, <laughs> super banker. Well, you know, it, it, this goes back now to the mid 1980s. And I have my father to thank for this because I remember growing up and I it was either late senior year or early college years. Uh, my dad actually, in the early years of Catholic answers, he used to have Pat Madrid over to the house. Wow. And some other some other um, apologetics from Catholic Answers. They used to come to the house all the time for dinner, <laughs> and my parents got to know Pat. And that was, that was here. That, no, this was actually in Costa Mesa, California. Okay. When, okay. And so Pat Madrid used to. They, they met at a conference, like one of the first conferences, and Pat Madrid would come over to the house all the time. And at that time, you know, to me it was just okay. I just sat around the dinner table and listened. I was never, at that point, <laughs> engaged engaged in apologetics. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to 1999. Um, it was like, actually, it was August of 1999. It was almost, excuse me, 1998. It was almost like the Lord was talking to me like, hey, you need to get into apologetics and really start knowing the scriptures. And from there, it just took off. And I studied like a mad person for a year. I had, my wife always kind of kids around about this, but we had a closet in our little apartment that I would go in in the middle of the night and just study for hours and listen to guys like Tim Staples and Scott Hahn and get everything I could from them and just took you know, took copious notes and wrote this all, all the information down and created a huge database. Wow. And just doing that for about a year, you know, I was able to memorize a lot of stuff. And then before I knew it, the Lord was actually placing into me people have people who left the church, including some pastors, and wow. had a lot of different dialogues over the years. And wow, that's very cool. Yeah. So then there was a big. Then there was a gap. I don't know. There was probably about a five-year gap, and then uh, I started an apologetics class in our house here in Albuquerque. 
And that's when Stephen Murray Walters were attending and stuff. And then we got together with dinner with Father. And Father right. actually was thinking about doing this. And just it just all came together. That's so really it's brilliant. Been, it's been a great time. That's, that's really brilliant. You know, St. Paul talks about the various gifts, right, that, that are in the body of Christ and how not everybody um, can, can hold all the gifts in themselves, right? So, and so as a body of Christ, we all fit together like parts of the body and we coordinate and all of these different gifts come together, right? So no doubt you have been given a gift for um, the apologetics and, and for uh, an ability to kind of consume the material and also the ability to teach and to explain. Uh, and I think anybody who listens to Catholic Beef will probably understand that once they listen to it a couple times. Now, that all being said, though, Rob, like, I imagine that the Lord does make it possible for all of us, you know, especially after our confirmation and that seal of the Holy Spirit that we receive through the sacrament of confirmation, to be able to give an answer, like St. Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, to give an answer for the hope that is within us, right? And so that, along those lines, what, what, what kind of things do you think uh, you would recommend for the average Catholic who hasn't really gotten into too much apologetics per se, and maybe even has like maybe an intimidation about uh, the concept of answering questions about the faith, you know, because they just find the questions all too big and scary and, and they don't feel very confident within themselves. So what kind of like maybe um, pieces of advice uh, uh, would you give for people who are in that in that situation? Well, one thing I did when I was, uh, I have four kids and they're all grown up now, There's, but uh, when they were growing up and I was talking about, you know, a question like that to them, I always tell my kids, hey, look, you may not know all the answers as you're going through and learning the faith, but if someone asks you a question, say, hey, that's a good question. I don't know the answer, but I'll get back to you. But here's where I actually would throw some advice out. In that situation, you know, you make sure you get back to them. But more importantly, I always said, if it, especially if it was coming from a Protestant who goes by the Bible alone, ask them a question. Say, hey, I'll get back to you. But in the meantime, will you show me in the Bible where it states which books make up the Bible? Because that question will have that other individuals start thinking about well, how did this Bible come to be? And then meanwhile, you go back and whether it's a question on Mary and the papacy or whatever, you come back to them and you show them using scripture um, where we actually have this teaching in the, in the Bible, not that we go by the Bible alone, and then you can start your dialogue. Because usually, and you've probably seen this many times too or heard about this, you know, a lot of times people, they find, they find out you're Catholic and they just start bombarding you with many questions. Well, how can you say Mary's immaculate conceived? How can you believe that the, that the Pope is infallible? And they, you know, they just bombard you with four or five questions right up front. And you just need to step back and say, hey, let's deal with one question, one topic. And once we get past that topic, move on to another one. Yeah, one at a time, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And plus, you know, I, I like the point you make about um, maybe <clears throat> helping to direct the conversation, right? Because we always just assume that the person asking all the questions of us is going to direct the conversation. And that really leaves it a very one-sided conversation. They have questions. We have to have answers. But there's nothing that says that we can't flip the script a little bit and ask them questions right. and expect them to come up with answers, mm -hmm. too. Not to mention that that is a more even exchange. And it will lead to more truth, ultimately, mm -hmm. like right. you're saying. Well, all right. And, you know, I know Father Scott knows Father Peter Mueller. He's the pastor down at St. Enwood here in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. You know Father Peter. Do you know Who? Father Peter Mueller? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. He's a, uh, he's he's a, a Norbertine. Norbertine. He's a Norbertine. Well, right. so here's a, little, here's a little digression here for a minute. Actually, when I was a freshman in high school in California, he was a senior. He was, we, we both played the trumpet, and he was no the kidding. band leader. We went to Modern Day High School in, Coast huh. in Santa Ana, California. Was it a Norbertine High School? Uh, no, it was just a Catholic just high school. Just a Catholic high school. And okay. then, you know, senior year, he got the calling. He went to the seminary. Long story short, we caught up with him a few years later, and That's he was crazy. actually going out to the Huntington Beach Pier on Saturday nights because Calvary was out there, and he was actually the Bible priest on the uh, on the uh, wow. on the pier. But you know, he taught me. He used to say, you know what? We just as Catholics, we need to go on the offense. So from him, I learned just huh. like you were saying, like turn the questions around. Rather than us waiting for a question, <laughs> we can go on the offense if we're having a discussion and the question is relevant. For example. You know, whether it's uh, with the Pope, for example, a lot of times people have a big problem with the Pope or they have problems with priest. And 90 yeah. percent of the time, if they're coming from a church like Calvary, at some point I know in my experience, someone's going to raise the question, hey, why do you Catholics call uh, your priest father? And they refer to Matthew 23. Well, as Catholics, we can go on the offense and we can say, hey, Mr. Protestant or Mrs. Protestant, how come you don't call your pastor father? Well, that's what actually launched me into my very first dialogue after a year of study. I w ran into a associate pastor at Calvary Chapel in Mission Viejo, California, and this person told my wife his goal was to pull Melissa and I, Melissa's my wife of 27 years, out of the Catholic Church. And Melissa said, that's never going to happen. Well, I, get, I called this guy up on the phone, and we started talking after we introduced ourselves, and that was the first question I answered him. And I knew where he was going to go, but I was able to control the conversation, and he was not expecting it. And from there, we had a dialogue for six weeks. So wow. going on the offense, too, you can, like you said earlier, Tony, you can really control the conversation. Mm -hmm. that's, now, that's brought up in uh, Carl Keating's book, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. that's, so, a, that's an old classic of apologetics. And it's a great book. you got to have it. And yeah. so uh, it's, um, it's uh, one of his uh, suggestions, a big suggestion from him is that when they ask the question, uh, if, you know, if, you, if you know your stuff, and they ask the question, could be a question, why do you uh, Catholics worship Mary? You can say, I'll answer that question, but let me ask you a question first. And when you do that, you take the ball from them. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you've got the ball. You're on offense now, right? So then you can start asking them questions, and they are on the defensive. Right. So totally. that's how, no, yeah, that's, no, but that's, that's yeah. I was going to say, that's how you, uh, that's how you, you know, if you keep control over it, then, you sure. know. Yeah, you don't want it to just become a one-sided. It doesn't serve anybody for it to be a one-sided conversation, and uh, you're not really approaching truth if you're if you're simply being um, the one who has to come up with all the answers, or even worse, like in a lot of situations, you're the one being attacked. You know, I mean, the whole thing. It's really not a conversation at that point. It's an interrogation. Right. Right. It's an interrogation, and that's not that's not conversation. That's not. Dialogue. Oh, yeah. Speaking of dialogue, why is it? Let me ask you a, a little bit of an edgy question, if you will. Um, you, apologetics does not mean uh, the the effort of apologizing for our faith, right? It's mm -hmm. from the Greek term apologia, which means to make a defense or an explanation. And of course, this is I think it's actually the Greek word in the New Testament, isn't it? When um, in First Peter three fifteen, correct. When Saint mm -hmm. Peter is saying, "Give a defense or give an explanation for the hope that is within you," so it's the actual word apologia in the mm -hmm. Greek. Well, anyways, that being said, um, why not just make effort at ecumenism as we properly understand it in the modern church, or why not just make effort in an interreligious dialogue? Why go down the path of 
of apologetics. I went to a university, it was Catholic, and for part of my training, and um, you know, they didn't have an apologetics department, shockingly, um, because they were Dominican after all. Uh, they just had <laughs> ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. So why, so why, are, we, why are we even bothering with apologetics um, when we have these, you know, these other paths to go down? Boy, Tony, you're opening a can of worms. <laughs> you try to set me up. <laughs> Off the record and unofficially. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything with, you know. You, yeah, with, I have an with, answer to that, though, myself. But I, I'm just curious as to what you, both of you would say in that regard. Do you, well, do you, what would you, well, okay, I'm going to ask you what I have you my own say. answers, but okay. I'm not, well, <laughs> I'm interrogating you. My, my answer is very, very simple. <clears throat> Isn't the idea to lead them to the Eucharist? The true presence of Christ, as Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh-huh. isn't ultimately the, the goal is to lead them to the table of the Lord to receive the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. And not to mention, this is the church that Jesus himself instituted. Right. To lead them not only to that sacrament, but to the other six sacraments. Okay. Okay. Well, they're ba- baptism. Okay. They've already been baptized, but. Assuming, yeah, assuming they've been baptized correctly. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> not, your earlier yeah. statements in the podcast. Yeah, not the we. You know, we did talk about that last. Was that last week that we talked about that? The I I think it came this, up this week. No, actually, we did, it did come up in a news article. And then what tonight? You, at the beginning of this podcast, you mentioned how it actually uh, is an issue in the American church in the, in the exact circumstance you mentioned with Father Matthew Hood um, up there in Detroit, who um, I don't know however many years ago was baptized. Um, Invalidly, and that led to a whole. Speaking of can of worms, oh my goodness, that led. This is why we do what the church has always done, and we don't try to improvise, yeah. right? Because we can just run afoul of the Lord and His church mm-hmm. and um, make all messes, all kinds of messes. Yeah. Did well, that's about, really. Did you hear about this though? No. Uh, the, okay. There's a priest in Detroit. He's been ordained three years. Well, he's watching a video of when he was baptized, uh-huh. and, the, and the, it was an invalid baptism. Oh wow. He because because recently the Vatican had made a, an alert that this had. Been, that they came to find out that this had been happening in places and probably places like Detroit. And, um, and it was at a particular parish. So it wasn't like it was happening in every parish, but I'm sure this is not an untold story in other places, um, at other times, but, uh, the baptisms that the Vatican warned against, um, are recited as we baptize you. So like we, the community or we, the gathered group of people Mm -hmm. baptize you. Well, that's an invalid baptism. It's form and matter. So the form has to be correct. The matter has to be the correct, you know, so the matter is, is water and the form is the words I baptize you. And that's done by the validly ordained minister, which is a deacon, a priest or a bishop. That's right. And you cannot change, like say the, 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 uh, the matter cannot be, you cannot decide Oh, uh, you know, we're going to add some uh, some uh, flavored water to this to make it smell pretty. You can't right. do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, some, some of that crystal light. Yeah, crystal light. So you, light. you can have, <laughs> have a refreshing drink yeah, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, the canon law, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I want to come back to Robin here in a second. But, but uh, the canon law actually, you know, is always a response to problems in the church that arise. And then they have to make a law to say, yes, you can or no, you can't. And, and, and under the column on baptism, you can look in canon law and it actually says you cannot baptize with soup, wine, saliva and it lists a number of other things and i thought to myself my what kind of crazy things were going on a thousand years ago that they had to make uh, these provisions you mm-hmm. know or, or i should say prohibitions mm-hmm. okay so coming back then um 
to you, Rob, to answer that question. Why, uh, why do apologetics at all? Why, um, how does it fit into the, the bigger scheme of, you know, reaching out to phase of other traditions? Well, so let me, let me go back to your original question and just from the side about, you know, why apologetics? You know, if someone has left the church and they wind up in like a fundamentalist church or a church like Calvary that are very Bible-based, from my experience, the only way you can actually talk to them is through apologetics and having a scriptural discussion. So that's yeah. from that angle. So Okay, that's fair. Um, and I've also heard it say, would you say it's true? I've heard, heard it said that um, apologetics really isn't so much about combating or arguing or debating in a, in a mean-spirited way. Uh, it's really just about exp- like kind of like mining the depths of the truth of the situation uh, on both sides of the issue. So let's say if you're on this side of the issue, you're just simply explaining <laughs> the truth of where that person's standing and on the other side of the issue, the truth of where that person's standing. Mm-hmm. As I, I sometimes feel like maybe these fluffy words like interreligious dialogue and ecumenism um, kind of skate over the differences, thinking that that's going to bring us together quicker when really it just ignores the truth. And, and when you get to the truth, then you actually have a more perfect straight line towards communion and union and you know what I mean if you're if you're all striving for to, to be in union with the truth then you'll be in union together well, just seems, uh, yeah. it just seems to me real quick uh, it, it's almost to, to say that it's almost like relativism look you just believe what you believe I'll believe what I believe and we'll just get along and leave it at that right hmm yeah it doesn't really do it for me anyway I'm sorry oh, it's okay so even in apologetics you know one good practical thing too is keep in mind when you're talking to someone of another faith walk they have some common beliefs that we have as Catholics so you could always start there and kind of acknowledge you know, the similar beliefs I mean they all believe, you know take someone at Calvary they believe in the Trinity they might not fully understand it like we do as Catholics you can have a full discussion and agreement on that and then you can go into stuff that you have you know different uh, beliefs on Right. And it is important, right, to, to acknowledge the differences in order to oh. arrive at the truth. If, if the effort is to arrive at truth, right. then, then it's important to acknowledge the differences. Because if you don't, that's like ignoring the elephant in the room or you're ignoring, you know, you're ignoring an important piece of what may be the path to ultimate communion, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively, small c and capital C communion, mm-hmm. like you were saying, Father. We have something very, very good to share with uh, people and we shouldn't be bashful about, you know, demanding that it's a good and true thing. Right. But I think Robert is saying, you know, start with that common ground. What yep. we believe, like, say, for example, you know, the um, like, OK, the, the virgin birth. OK. And then then you can lead them in a discussion, OK, about the natures of Christ, the, the one person, two natures, which then if you really are, if you craft it well, then you can start bringing in maybe a discussion about, well, how is it that Jesus is perfected in his human nature and divine nature, which then would lead to the importance of the Blessed Mother being, you know, eventually, you know, in this conversation it might take uh, after a few weeks or whatever, but lead them into, you know, of arriving at the Blessed Mother is necessarily immaculately conceived, for example. You know right. what I'm saying? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a good pathway, right? And of course, um, it doesn't hurt to say a prayer to the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, and to kind of be open to the fact that not every conversation is going to go the way we expect it to. And that's might just be the way the Lord wants it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you may be called names, too. I mean, I could... 
Never mind the fact that you're going to have to have some thick skin, mm-hmm. right? And right. the ability to not take it personally, even though it's one of the most personal things that we could probably That's speak right. about, right? Right. Very, very hard. I'm guessing that probably takes some time, right? That, that takes some experience of, of not getting offended immediately when someone <laughs> doesn't know they're offending you. But by their words, you know, that you're, it's really hitting home. It's kind of like talking bad about your mama. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be very, hmm, you've got to swallow, you know, your words sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you're right. You've got to be thick-skinned, but, but be very slow to, to react to it, you know? Oh, yeah. it, could be, it could be very humbling, too. I mean, I can remember, mm-hmm. I recall an incident. Uh, it was a very humbling experience. And I'll, let me give you the little background here. So what happened was there was a time that I... I was in California, and California has so many mega churches all over. I mean, every corner you drive around, and people, this is like in 1999, 2000, people have bumper stickers on their cars. So I had a bumper sticker on my a plate thing around my car that Terry Barber came up with that said, who started a church.org. That way they would go there and they kind of see the historical church. But I used to pass out tracks at gas stations. So I was in the car filling up with gas, and there was a guy in front of me with one of these mega churches with a bumper sticker on there. So I quickly talked to him, gave him my track, and long story short, we wound up meeting at the park, having a debate at the park. We ex- he gave me a book he wanted me to look at. It was uh, a book that actually kind of you know, challenged the Catholic faith. I looked at it, asked him questions. Never heard from the guy from a year. Hmm. A year later, he calls me up and he's like, Robert, those questions you asked me, I've been trying to find a pastor at my church who knows answers. I think I found someone finally. So we went through a couple pastors. They had, I mean, it was really interesting. None of these pastors really knew much and they couldn't answer the questions that he was asking them. (laughs) Well, he invited my wife and I over to his house with his wife for dinner and some unknown guest. Well, I walk in the door and this guy introduces himself as a full-time Protestant professional apologist. Wow. Okay. And he's right off the bat. He's telling me he knows Carl Keating. He's been, he's debated Pat Madrid, all these guys. I'm like, Oy. what am I going to say to this guy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we start dinner and stuff. And this guy, he was just shooting off stuff, you know, about the early church fathers. I couldn't respond. I, I didn't know that, t- you know, I didn't know the, the details and all this stuff. And I really, I realized that, you know, there's a time you real you just have to step back and say, hey, I, I need to study more and look into this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it can be very humbling too, but that, you know you, you keep in mind, and I like to say what Pat I think it was Pat Madrid. You know, Pat Madrid had a philosophy: if you can actually grasp the twenty typical questions that someone from a Protestant church will ask you, you should be fine in a conversation. I mean, you could start there and look up on the internet those twenty questions. Mm-hmm. And start using that and maybe using those questions for you as a Catholic to go on the offense against mm-hmm. one of your family members who left the church or mm-hmm. someone at work and just say, hey, when was the last time you called Mary blessed? Mm-hmm. And that person that uh, goes to Calvary may say, what do you mean? Hmm. Well, then you show them in the Bible, hey, in Luke 1, it says all generations will call me blessed. And you just get them to start thinking. That's yeah, good. that's brilliant. You know, Scott Hahn was talking about how easy it was to pick off Catholics. He said it was like going to the carnival, you know, and shooting the ducks. Yeah. Because, you know, Catholics don't know their faith. So tools like the Catholic beef and then the books that are out there will will arm you uh, to be able to, you know, not be picked off like a duck at the carnival, you know? That's right. Well, and because I imagine, you know, just because you're not being asked questions or because you're hiding out inside your home away from (laughs) (laughs) anti-Catholic forces or whatever, um, 
you know, your in you, you know your indignation at what you witness is anti-Catholicism raging in our current American culture, for instance, or Western culture in general, should give some kind of impetus to at least be, you know becoming ready, as Saint Peter says. He doesn't say always give a defense in every moment, even if the person at the counter is just asking you whether you want to supersize your happy meal or not. What they, what Peter says is be ready, right? And like you said. Uh, Rob, um, once you started making yourself ready, then the Lord sent you those people to into your path, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. like you were just going around like trying to talk to everybody about the truths of the Catholic faith, you know, and they just wanted to know, you know, if if you wanted to use a coupon at the you know at the checkout. Um, so you weren't like engaging in, inappropriately. You were you were making yourself ready, and then of course prayerfully entering that situation the people started showing up well one thing i did too though and you could you, anyone could do this is what I, I started looking out for pastors of various churches to dialogue with and it's very easy to go on the internet and i would look up you know i, I would type a city and say monterey california and look for calvary chapel and i would go to their website i would look at their beliefs because they all put on there what they believe then i would write the pastor a question trying to see if they would engage me and wow. that makes it much more comfortable because you know when you're dialoguing with someone from another faith faith walk face to face it's a little more intimidating especially at yeah. first yeah but if you're at your computer you have all the control and you can actually do the research and i would do that and cut and paste and from my notes and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then you get to you know learn it and i always you know i have a philosophy if you can actually speak it write it and hear it you'll actually memorize this stuff much easier over a shorter period of time. That's, yeah, that's really brilliant. I like the idea of even just going to learn what other people believe, you know? That's a very Thomistic uh, approach, St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Approach the other side of the issue, learn better even than they could articulate Mm. what that belief is, and then find out why, if it's not Catholic, why uh, it's not uh, as true as the Mm -hmm. Catholic position. Very good. So now, by the way, going back to the uh, super, the Uber uh, apologist who debated Carl Ke- Keating and uh-huh. Scott Hahn, all he, do you believe he did, or did, was he just trying to? Intimidate? Well, no, he actually his biggest his name if I, his name was Bob Pasatino. He passed away. I remember him. I remember him Catholic Answers. Actually, this is years ago mentioning that he had passed away because he was a good friend of Catholic Answers, even mm-hmm. though he didn't agree. Okay. But his biggest problem when it came to it was the papacy. He. He believed that Peter was the first pope, but it stopped there. He 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 had all these reasons that he would not believe in papal succession. But yet he he you know he he you mentioned how he threw out church fathers. Yeah. Oh yeah. How can you read the church fathers and not become you know Catholic? Yeah, that's a, that's usually is what converts a lot of people, exactly. right? Yeah. Right. They, but of course, it has to be. That's also something inside the will, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit has to give us the grace to change our will, mm-hmm. right, in a situation yeah. like that. And you, no doubt, like, you're changing. And here's the other thing that maybe we uh, would do well to keep in mind. If you form your whole life like this gentleman must have, God rest his soul, um, on a particular paradigm, sometimes that paradigm is such a big shift into the Catholic mindset or the Catholic faith or the sacramental. Like, you're shifting a lot of pieces, you know, like some of these guys... You know, even I don't know about this particular person, but, you know, some of these guys base their whole income, their family life, their social network, Mm -hmm. you name it. Right. So we have to be, of course, patient. Right. For people, Mm -hmm. we don't know what all is involved in their conversion process. And we have to say a lot of prayers to the Holy Spirit because only he can do miraculous shifting of paradigms. That's right. And look how difficult it was for Scott Hahn and his family to. 
mm-hmm. become Catholic, you know. He had to change his whole life. He had, a, he had his own church, you know. So it was very difficult. And it's very difficult for a lot of these guys. So, but in any case, our role is to continue to just defend the church and her teachings and, and hopefully, you know, lead people to the, to the truth of the, the church and bring people to the sacraments. Right. So. Yeah. Would you say, Rob, that you become a better Catholic by by this process of your involvement in apologetics and talking to people about the faith? Oh, absolutely. Because up until that moment, you know, I, I always knew the Catholic faith, the Catholic faith was a true faith. And I, you know, but if it was 1993 and you asked me to kind of to defend it using scripture, I would have no clue to even use one verse in the Bible to be able to actually defend my mm, faith, even yeah. though I knew the Catholic faith mm-hmm. was a true faith, even right. though, you know, even though I had uh spoken to a friend about the evils of abortion yeah. but I wasn't able to use scripture until 1998 to really to, to really have scripture you know make that process begin and once I fell in love more through the scriptures it really just you know just changed my whole worldview you talked about a paradigm shift to me it was almost a paradigm shift in 1998 because mm. you know prior to that you know I remember thinking, oh, here's there's 73 books in the Catholic Bible version, right? And it's like, oh, it just seems so complex and just so difficult. But once you start reading and the Lord opens your eyes and you see, uh, you know, even today, you know, you can read a scripture, a new scripture today that you've read 50 million times, I'm exaggerating there, but and you, and and the Lord actually shows you a new insight to that particular scripture Mm. and how you can actually use an apologetics. The Word of God is alive and active. Yeah, it is. Like a two-edged sword. Hey, speaking of things that are alive and active, Father, did you come up with a uh, trivia um, this, this week? I have one. Did you? Okay, so I think we ought to ask, along the lines of asking people questions, I think we ought to go into the trivia questions. Okay. And I also have some trivia questions okay. uh, as well that I want to ask you guys From under Donovan? a new segment of the podcast that I'm calling the McBee Minute. Okay, and is it, is it uh, Donovan? It's Donovan McBee. Okay, so he's yeah. writing questions. Now. Okay, that's cool. Uh, William, I don't know where he's at. But, William's uh, not here, but well, he said he might get here late. I don't know if he's going to make the podcast. So, well, listen, he's you know he's got that job over there at uh, Mickey's Manures and driving truck. Mickey's Manures. Mickey's Manures. That's right. He's because he's driving truck now. Driving truck. Yeah, he's driving truck between uh, where, what, what was the Las Cruces? Las Cruces to uh, to Los Lunas. Los Lunas. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> he deadheads one way, and then he um, and then he's loading up and trucking the other way. With there's a lot of goat manure in this in this state. There's a lot of there's a lot of manure in this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No no lack for sure. Okay, I got a trivia. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, uh, Rob, are you around for the whole podcast? Yeah. Okay, great. That's awesome. Okay, ready? Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, looking forward. I I understand you guys go sometimes an hour and a half, two hours. We 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 used to. Now now we're much more diligent. Well, now we of course we have to keep it short tonight. Uh, Father, you have appointments tomorrow, but then of course you know we have to keep our regular appointment of um, smoking a cigar. Well, I'm getting up and driving to Castilla up to Castilla Creek. Yeah, beautiful northern New Mexico up in the Rocky Mountains. Wow, that sounds awesome. Just to get out of here for a day. Yeah, you got to go get some cooler air, man. Yeah, it's getting too hot around here. Oh boy, it's the political atmosphere. I can't. Not to mention, yeah, can't take it. Okay, all that hot air. Here we go. It's our game show time, baby. Okay, here we go. It's know your nuns. Know your nuns. Know your nuns. Okay. N-O-N-E-S or, or N-U-N-S? N-U-N-S. Okay. Know your nuns, okay? And these are all saints, too, by the way. All right, great. They're all nuns. Saints and nuns. Here right. we go. Ready? Yeah. Number one, this nun founded the Order of Poor Ladies. Sorry? This nun 
founded the Order of Poor Ladies. No longer called the Order of Poor Ladies. We know them as something else They're now. The, uh, do you have a guess on this one? I, I'm I wish gonna, I, can you tell me the first letter? Oh, that okay. it seems like cheating. Wait a minute. No. Uh, yeah, go ahead and tell me. The, the first letter is C. C? Yeah. Is it C? Mm-hmm. Clares, right? There it is. Yeah, because it's, it's, they're called the Poor Clares yeah, now. Yeah, but they were called in, in the original day. The, the, the Poor the, Ladies, that's the right. The Poor Ladies. Yep, after St. Clair. And St. Clair, of course, is the female companion of St. Francis. I had an order. Uh, there was a convent of Poor Clares. I don't know if this is an off-color talk, uh, story, but there was an order of Poor Clares just up the road from where I lived when mm. I was growing up back in Indiana. And the sign along the road was not always maintained. And so the little stick on the R wore off. And eventually, it just looked like a sign for um, the convent of the Poop Clares. It's <laughs> so my story, and I'm sticking to it. But the blessed ladies, they wouldn't have minded. They were, they were cloistered and holy and praying Maybe. for all of us. Go for it. Number two, this nun was a member of the Third Order of St. Dominic in Lima. Oh, that's a, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah. Lima. That was St. Rose. That's St. Rose. That's St. Rose of Lima. That's well, right. Lima and uh, she had a vision of Jesus and a thorn came mm. from his um, crown of thorns and pierced her own head. And um, yeah, there you go. It's a little bit of a stigmata for St. Rose. Right. Now this one's a little more difficult, okay? This saint known as the martyr of the wheel was martyred at age 18 and is venerated in both the Roman church and in the Orthodox churches. This one's difficult. Oh, yeah. No, I know this one. Do you? Uh, one of, yeah, one of my kids at St. Thomas School where I was teaching in the middle school, uh, this, was, this was one of her patron saints. And so she had all of us um, venerate this uh, blessed saint. Yeah. Who is it? St. Catherine of Alexandria. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I'm impressed. You are the guy who knows everything. <laughs> the, the giveaway there was that she's venerated in both uh, the Orthodox and the right. Catholic churches. Well, and then the, you know, the martyr of the wheel. And the fact that she was martyred on a big wheel, mm-hmm. crushed her to death. So this nun penned the dialogue. This nun penned the dialogue. It's one of her famous works. You got a guess, Rob? I want to say, um, I want to say it's St. Teresa of Avila. No. I could be wrong. She had some writings and also dialogues with our Lord. Um, it was called the dialogue, not the diary. Mm-mm. The dialogue, at least the source I read. What year was it read? St. Catherine of Siena. There you go. Oh. There we go. That one came to me. That was sitting in the back of my mind. Um, she's also the one, she's also very famous for going to tell the Pope to move from Avignon, France, back to Rome. Right. It's probably mm-hmm. something she's more well known for. And I've been to her house, her original house. Have you? Yeah, in Siena. Uh-huh. I lived in Italy and I never made it there. You can't, you never been to yeah, Siena? Yeah, I never, I went to Siena, but I never made it to St. Catherine's house. Oh, we were inside. Really? Uh-huh. Wow, how old are you? How, what? How old are you? You went to her house? Was she there? <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were playmates when you were kids, Yeah, right? I knocked on the door. <laughs> Can Catherine come out and play? Uh, okay, let's see. Number five. This Spanish nun initiated a movement which led to the establishment of the Discalced Carmelites. Discalced. Are those the ones who don't put any kind of creamer in their coffee? Dis- <laughs> Discalcium. Discalced. Okay. So, <laughs> so, 
Sorry. I'm glad somebody thought that was funny. This would, uh, this would well, be... Well, I'm only laughing out of courtesy. Yes, now, that's so very really sweet of you. really not funny. Yeah, that would be St. Teresa of Avila. There you go. And the discoused, of course, means shoeless, shoeless right? So we don't... Uh, I prefer to call him discoused Joe Jackson. What? Discoused Joe Jackson. Shoeless Joe Jackson? <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Discalced. Yeah. Shoeless. Shoeless. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson. Isn't that his name, the baseball player? Uh, Shoeless. I don't know, dude. I don't yeah. have no idea. Shoeless Joe. Okay. I need Joe Ryan, to my uh, godson's father, to uh, let me know about okay, that Okay, final question. Rick. All right. This nun, an Augustinian, is portrayed as having a single wound in the middle of her forehead. I thought we just covered her. Mm-mm. Or did I get St. Rose of Lima and St. Uh, Rita you, of Cascia mixed up? You No, St. Uh, Rose was right. That's correct. Right, but I mean, I thought St. Rose had the vision of the thorn coming from, but it's St. Rita of Cascia That's right. that had the vision. Okay, so yeah. I've, just, I've got those two mixed up in my mind. St. Rita of Cascia is the answer to the last question. Right. And she's the one, not St. Rose, St. Rita of Cascia, right. who actually you can, whose body you can go visit. And I think she might be... Incorrupt. Incorrupt. Uh, you can visit her body in the cathedral. Basilica of Cascia, Italy. It's just outside of Norcia. And I've been there. And of course, you can see um, uh, her. And then she's the one that had the vision of the thorns coming from Jesus's crown and piercing her in the forehead. Okay. By the so way, there's also the miracle of Bolsena, which is, sorry, just to let you know, if you do go visit St. Rita of Cascia, you can also go to get a two for one, two for one miracle. Uh, there's the host preserved from the Eucharistic miracle of Bolsena. Also mm-hmm. in that church. Okay, cool. That's our trivia. Okay, hey, so uh, could, do you have time for the McBee minute before we get into yes. the gospel? No, well, we got to do a little review for the. Oh, yeah, we have to do some tobacco, I, don't we? I have none. You I don't have, have any tobacco reviews? No. Rob, do you smoke tobaccos? No, <clears throat> really, I'm the only one. Yeah. Well, good thing well, because I've got thirty Will, minutes. I've got thirty minutes of um, review that I want to do. Hey, real quick, you know when when Will is hauling that manure, he's not allowed to smoke. While moving the manure. Well, it's all that methane, right? That'll, oh, man, boom. Kaboom. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> I see a theme happening on this podcast, sadly. Okay, so here's my, uh, here's my quick and dirty uh, tobacco review. Mm. I picked up two cigars um, that I don't think I've reviewed here yet. And um, uh, they, uh, the first one, which I did, that I liked, like in, in order of least to greatest, my number two cigar for the week is um, the Macanudo Diplomat. Mm, It's got a very unique uh, design, more like a torpedo design, short though. It's got a dark wrapper. The Macanudo Diplomat rates like a 90 on Cigar Insider or whatever. And uh, I got it, picked it up. It starts out spicy. Egg, but it but it ends up being they advertise it as creamy as a creamy smoke but I didn't really get that what I got more so than anything is like the cream on the top of an espresso you know that that, that little froth on mm-hmm. the top of an espresso if it's freshly made kind of has that strong espresso flavor but there's a little bit of just that like foamy creaminess that's kind of the flavor I got for the majority of the cigar very it was like drinking it was short and sweet not really sweet but short like an espresso mm-hmm. and tasted like an espresso, to be honest. Cool. Okay. So that was the Macanudo Diplomat. Now, the one I am raving about lately, and you know, you have one of those cigars that you've never, tr- you haven't tried ever, and then all you can think about is the next time you can find it and smoke it. This is the cigar for me. It's the um, CAO Amazon Basin. Never had it. What's unique about it is that all the tobacco, um, 
ultimately the tobacco comes from the Brazilian jungles, the Amazon. Sounds mysterious, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And while I was smoking it, I imagined myself as a spear-laden warrior creeping through the jungle and smelling the smoke from the campfires of the warring, the rival tribes. And actually, what I actually just tasted was a lot of bread, leather, some milk chocolate, absolutely delicious smoke, burned really great. I'm recommending the CAO Amazon Basin the next time you can find it. But that's a good cigar when he gives you these hallucinations to yourself walking <laughs> through the jungle right. as a warrior. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, good, that's a damn good cigar that you, know, you start hallucinating, you got, that's a, that's like, right. yeah, that's a good cigar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was inspired by the way they um, talk about the cigar online. It's kind of funny. So, yeah, Tony, I'm just curious, you've never had that vision before smoking that particular cigar? Never, never have never smoked that cigar before, so... Okay, yeah. so so you have some questions. Okay, so here's the McBee Minute. Okay, um, that's our fast cigar. becoming the popular game show in America. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we have three questions for both of you. And these are like a little bit of like personal, these are uh, geared at a little bit of fun and also a little bit of, I think, I think they're psychological tests, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> somehow. Okay, so 50-inch uh, screen or the 50-yard line? What do you say? The a 50 inch screen or the 50 yard line? What kind of person are you? Would you rather have, would you rather be on the 50 yard line watching the game or would you rather be sitting in your recliner at, with a 50 inch screen watching the game? Depends, it depends, okay? I'm, depends? depends? Oh man, that, that's I'm a tough question, isn't it? I'm going for the 50 inch screen. What was that? 50 inch screen for me. Yeah, any, any reasons why? Oh, well, just much more comfortable in my own chair. Yeah, I kind of okay. dig the whole stay at home, be comfortable. That, but I mean, uh, the, the thrill of being inside. But then you, uh, while you're there, you're, you're not comfortable and you can't just get up and go to the bathroom right there, you know, in your house. Well, take, yeah. care, of it could, before, take yeah. care of it before you go to the game, people. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Or just wear a diaper. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm no, just going to say, <laughs> if, it's, if it's September, October, the weather's nice, I want 50-yard line. Okay. If it's December, January, it's 40 below zero. Yeah. I want the 50-inch TV. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But I love going to games. I love going to games. Yeah. I mean, just the noise and the excitement and seeing the game and the uh, flyover. I love that. But, yeah. There's a know, lot of excitement with those live experiences. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Mom's nagging or dad's jokes. That seems a little bit um, <laughs> parentally racist. But, you know, we're going to go with it. Mom's nagging or dad's jokes. Dad's jokes. Dad's jokes. Absolutely. Dad's jokes? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, who wants <laughs> nagging over jokes? <laughs> Not that mom couldn't tell jokes, by the way. Donovan McBee. Yeah. Okay. Christian Rock Radio. Um, I wonder if he got in trouble for writing that, that question, by the way, with his wife. Uh, we'll have to find out later. Christian Rock Radio or Christian Talk Radio? Uh, I would Christian do, Rock Radio no, no, Christian, or Christian Talk Radio? I'll, I'll do Christian Talk. Christian talk, that's more interesting. I, I just don't like Christian rock. That yeah, Christian you're not really into that, are you? I just, I just don't like it. I'm as fan. fond of it as I am country music. You're not a big fan of the Jesus jams. No, I'm not. <laughs> How about you, Rob? I'd go for the Christian rock. Yeah? yeah. No? Yeah. You dig the, the uplifting Christian rock. Well, there's some good, you know, there's some good artists out there that I like listening to on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, for me, it depends on the song or the speaker. I mean, like, some so if, of, it's, yeah. like, if it's some preacher or something I'm not into, then I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. If it's some song that I'm not into, I'm not going to listen to it. Dude, I want, I'm, I want, I want British rockers delivering my rock and roll. Okay, I want Pink Floyd. I want the Stones. I want the Who. Do I you want have Zeppelin. A, Do you have XM? Do you have uh, XM satellite? XM no, radio? I used to, and I dumped it. Amazon Prime Music. You get it yeah. all three. I mean, you well, could look it up on dude, your car. I got, I got every every 
every tune from every artist on my phone already. I don't oh, okay. Know. You know? Awesome. So, okay, is that it? That's it. Yep, that's all we got. Oh, God, I was having fun. Why that wraps it? up the McBee Minute. Okay, that's why we so call it the McBee Minute, because it McBee. doesn't last very long. Okay, so it's, it's gospel time. Do you Let's have do it? Let's do it. Uh, by the way, the, uh, there's a new movie, uh, Fatima. It's coming out August 28th, just to let you know. Okay. So, is it uh, supposed to be any good? <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're saying it's going to be pretty good. Now, I watched last night The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima for the eight billionth time. Okay. And that's not an exaggeration either. I've been counting. I write a check it off every time. But um, from 1954, I love that movie. Okay, so uh, do you have it pulled up, the gospel for the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time? I do have it, yeah, as a matter of fact. And this is the gospel that comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, Mm. verses 13 through 20. Who can Mm. tell me what the gospel is? Oh, it's all about the uh, papacy. Peter the Rock. You are Peter, and upon this rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Okay, let me start with this, okay? Uh, you notice he said, uh, Peter, no man has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this in a book. Yeah. Okay, uh, you didn't learn this in the classroom. This information comes from my heavenly father. It's infused into you, into your intellect, into your heart, this knowledge of, of me, who I really am. Okay, Peter, because, and you know what else it says in scripture? I have chosen you. You didn't choose, choose me first. I chose you first. So the Lord chose Peter and he chose him for a very special role. So just as he revealed this, and by the way, this is not, Peter's not the only one, by the way. You know, we had last week, we heard about the woman, uh, the Canaanite woman who acknowledged she knew Jesus. She didn't learn, where'd she learn this? Okay, it's faith and it's infused. And faith is the highest knowledge. So it was infused to the, into the woman, the Canaanite woman, and she knew Jesus had the authority and power to bring the demon out of her daughter's body, okay? Yeah. This came to her from above as well. Yeah. So that same God above who, you know, put this information into Peter, okay, and separated Peter at that moment for a very special role is the same God who then by Peter began to build his church on the same person who is Peter, okay? So it's all a movement from above. And the, the foundation or the, yeah, the foundation of the church who is a person, it's Peter, okay? The foundation of the apostles, all of it comes from above. Okay, it's all a movement of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, when people talk about, well, this is man-made, this is all man-concocted, that's not true. It's all a movement of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who is God, okay? Yeah. All willed by the Lord. Right on. All right. Hey, so Rob, um, besides first impressions that come to your mind after hearing this gospel, I also want to ask you, um, what are some background, what are some background pieces that the average listener might not know because they haven't done the study or they haven't, you know, background pieces that might help flesh this scene out a little bit to help them understand the impact? 
Well, let's start with uh, um, a name change here. So in, in this passage here, we see Peter's name, in essence, being changed from Simon and Peter. And if you recall from the Old Testament, whenever there was a name change, that meant that something, you know, a significant role was being changed. For example, Abram to Abraham, right? Jacob to Israel. And these were all very specific plans by God. So by Peter's name being changed from Simon to Peter, you know, we should be having one of those aha moments saying, oh, something's going on here. Right? Yeah, because it's, then, a cha- it's right? an absolute, it's a life change. Exactly. A complete life change. And then Peter's given the keys. So, Tony, you know, if I threw you my keys right here, I mean, and said, hey, take care of my house, right? I'm giving you the authority to control my house. Well, Jesus is handing Peter the keys. Okay, and that's yeah. a symbol of authority. And we could also find this, you know, we, we need to know the Old Testament too, because we find the symbols of the keys in the Old Testament. In yeah. Isaiah 22, if you go back and read that in verses 15 to 19, there was a wicked prime minister named Shebna who had the keys basically taken away from him. Okay, and that was passed on. And that's, you can kind of see there in Isaiah 22, the implied succession from one prime minister to another. Well, keys imply succession. So Peter, we all know that no one's going to live on earth forever. So when Peter passes away, those keys are going to be passed on to the next pope. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, you can find this, this, you want to have a little fun. You could actually go on the offense here too. The second pope is actually named in the Bible. Okay. Tony, I'm going to ask you now some trivia. Do you know the second pope? The name of the second pope? I do. It's Linus. I, I'm going with Linus. Uh, yeah. Linus. And you can find, I don't remember exactly where, I think it's in Timothy. Uh, it's one of Paul's writings, but you can actually yeah. Google and find Linus. It's actually mentioned in the Bible. And then obviously it's a historical fact. Even if you Google it, he's named as a second pope. Well, well that's right. Fact, and, 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 and by the way, you know, what you, you, you said is right. So like when you sell your car, you give, you don't just give them the car and keep the keys. You give them the keys. Right. Well, the keys denote authority, right? So even you, Father, have keys to the church, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it actually used to be one of the minor orders that a man was installed in. I'm not sure the right proper term. Wasn't necessarily ordained. I guess I don't. It wasn't an ordination. Well, but no, minor orders uh, yeah. that the that the man received on his way to priesthood was porter, and he received the keys to the church, right? And he then he they gave him authority at least over that that place or that space, right? Um, and so and as pastor, then you of course have charge of the keys, and that is your role under the bishop, right, to take care of this property. You have the keys. You have the authority of this place. Um, if someone else had the keys to this place, they'd be in charge. Right. And right? when I leave here, then they'll. The, uh, whoever comes in after you'll me. give the keys over to the next That's pastor. Right. So, yep. and the same thing in the papacy. So once Peter, you know, we all know what happened to Peter. So the next person who took his place, his seat, his, you know, his place of authority, then received the keys. And of course, you see the keys on the um, papal symbol, right? On the Vatican flag, for instance, you see mm-hmm. the symbol of a silver and a gold key denoting both earthly or temporal reign and heavenly or eternal reign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's very clear. It's an, uh, you know I've never had a problem with it. It's very clear to me. I've always believed it. And when you read the scriptures, it just makes perfect sense. I mean, all this about the keys. I mean, how could you? I don't know how a person can argue otherwise. Okay, so what's the whole symbolism of the keys if not that? Right. And now they weren't. Now we're, what's happening here in this particular verse isn't actual keys being handed. Right. right? This, this is a symbolic, symbolic. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. that Jesus is making in reference to mm-hmm. right that ancient Hebraic 
tradition of having a prime minister who has the keys and who's in charge. Now, is the prime minister higher than the king? The answer is no, of course, right? The king is always still the king. Mm-hmm. So the people who get confused, we're, we, don't, we don't put the pope in the place of Jesus. We no. still very much are aware of who the king is, mm-hmm. and that remains Jesus Christ. But we also understand that Jesus set up, according to that ancient Hebraic tradition, set up an earthly structure for his church, right? Well, it's interesting. With that passage, too, sometimes you'll run into people who will start throwing Greek at you and saying Petros and Petra, and they'll get all into the Greek, but... If you even just step back and look at the English context here, it's very clear that Jesus is talking to Peter and referring to Peter. He mentioned, I mean, he says you seven times, meaning you, Peter, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth, mm-hmm. whatever you loose, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, it's all, it's all context towards Peter. Um, it's interesting, though, sometimes people will say, well, Peter really wasn't the first pope, nor did he have the leadership. They, they refer to James, and they go to a passage in Acts chapter 15, and they try, to, they try to argue their position saying James is really the leader of the church. Okay, then why is it in Scripture, okay, why is it that Jesus time and time again picks out or he singles out Peter? You know, he gives, it's to Peter he gives the keys. Oh, the I agree, kingdom. yeah, I agree. It's to Peter he goes and says, Peter, strengthen your yeah. brothers. It's to Peter he, you know, he says, um, uh, what does he say to him? Uh, towards, right? Uh, uh, feed um, my sheep. Feed my sheep. Right. Feed, that's it, right? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He sing, every time, he sing, and every time the, the apostles are listed, who's listed first? Not James. Peter. Peter. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And also we have evidence that when Peter was alive, okay, and John was still alive, John the Apostle, when when there was a problem crop up in one of the church communities, they didn't go to see John. They went all the way to see Peter to mm-hmm. resolve the issue. Well, I like it too. Like in Luke, I mean, and Luke who wrote Acts, in Acts chapter 5, verse 38, he talks about Peter and the apostles. He only specifically names Peter. I mean, obviously, if James or someone else was the leader, they, he wouldn't have done that. And then, mm. Would have been James and the apostles, right? right? Yeah. I mean, and by the way, that whole thing with the Petro, Petra, that's such a losing argument. Well, that's great. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus didn't speak in Greek. You really can actually throw them a, you know, if you, they're going to back themselves up in the corner because then you can go on the offense and say, hey, what, what language did Jesus really talk? He, sp- he spoke, uh, spoke uh, Aramaic. Aramaic, right? And Aramaic, 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 there is no, oh, there is no uh, difference there. It's you are Kepha, and upon this Kepha, I will build my church. Yeah, there's, wow. no, there's, no, there's no difference. Yeah, yeah bravo. Little Great pebble, point. big pebble. Well, and the other thing, too, I mean, this is, this is getting a little more complicated. But, <laughs> it, <laughs> but it's the kind of pe- stuff you encounter. Pe- pe- yeah, exactly. But Petra, okay, if you're going to go that route, and here, if someone's going to throw that at you, you can actually say, well... Uh, the real Greek word for a little pebble stone is lithos, L-I-T-H-O-S. Okay. So, you know. Nice. Yeah, yeah good, uh, good info. Hey, if Petra was playing on the Christian rock station, would you listen to it? No. Remember that group? Yeah, but that I was a great, that yeah, was a great group, man. I didn't get Petra. into it, no. They were like no, the OG. Not, they were the original I'm not Christian into that rock stuff. band. <laughs> I'm into Gregorian chant and polyphony. Okay, so, so okay, coming back mm-hmm. to the gospel then, um, another question. Um, do you think that there's that the Lord, while He's addressing the the, the apostles, are all there, right? Um, and from from my reading, is it true that also that like in Caesarea Philippi, where they probably were gathered to have this conversation, there is also something of a, a monumental rock structure very nearby. Our Lord was never, you know, would never missed an opportunity to use landscape and all the how do you say all the ways of learning, right, to approach His listeners. Then in this case, these uh, disciples and Peter and 
this large rock structure, right, sitting there. And, and of course, it, it would have been very, very obvious kind of the when he was mentioning these uh, things like Petros and, mm -hmm. and rock or Kepha, as it were, um, that this was where he was going with this, right? And then he wasn't just talking about a locale, but that he was talking about a personage, right? And, and this, not to mention that, I mean, um, all these guys, right, would have had um, Jewish history and scripture rich in the back of their mind. So when he's setting up this prime ministerial structure, this is not falling on like dead ears here. Like they get it. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. Um, that, ba that backdrop there is very important, but you don't see that if you've never seen a picture of Caesarea Philippi. So again, you know, when you're reading a passage or whatever, context is key and knowing exactly the location and just trying to understand the surrounding elements of a particular passage really, right. you know, really helps you understand what is going on here. Because, right. you know, any, I mean, any of us here could open right now, open the Bible and, and read a verse and make it mean what we want it to mean. Now, we don't have the right to do that, but that's what happens a lot of times because people all think they're guided by the Holy Spirit. And so they'll open the Bible, they'll go, oh, wow, this verse says this, it must mean this, right? Yeah. And they're not actually understanding the context. What kind of, so speaking of context, what kind of sources do you use, Rob, um, to help enlighten your reading of scripture? Do you have any kind of like commentaries or particular modern biblical commentators um, that, that you use kind of to fill in the gaps for first century Palestine and, and the settings? You know, I, I have various different, I mean, I've used a lot of different commentaries. I like, you know, Scott Hahn has the Ignatius Bible study, which is really good. Mm. Um, Robertson Janus, I, I like a lot of his stuff. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. The Navarre, there's a lot of good stuff out I there. What the, I, I use the Navarra. What, what yeah, I, I really like yeah. Navarre too. I, well, I've liked to look at a lot of, I just mm. kind of look at a lot of the different ones and just kind of mm. gather different information and see what's out there. Now a good, yeah. a good Protestant source is Barclay. Yeah. Yeah. Barclay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Barclay. Yeah. It could, yeah. Because it gives a lot of the background and mm -hmm. the, and the cultural context. Um, it's very authentic that way. Mm -hmm. Of course, we wouldn't want to, you know, read the, the Protestant theology that, you know, that kind of like yeah. surrounds right. it, but we would, right. we would be cool with just kind of getting into some of the context that he lays out, mm -hmm. um, for, for a lot of the passages mm -hmm. of scripture. Now, father, uh, to you, this question, you know, when Jesus, uh, you know, he asked, first of all, he has two questions, one that follows up on the other and they sound just very similar. The first question to the apostles is who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Mm -hmm. And then the second question, very similar to it. He changes the wording. Who do you say mm -hmm. that I am? I've always understood that kind of like as almost like an opportunity for any one of us to make a faith statement in our hearts. When we hear those words, what would mm -hmm. you say? Well, you know, and we can ask, we can ask uh, all around, you know, we, we could do our own survey, right? We just could ask our neighbors and people we work with, who do you say Jesus is? But what's important and, and it's important what their answer is for them. Okay. But then I have to ask myself, I have to turn to myself, and hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, okay, who do I say Jesus is? Okay, for me, who is Jesus? Okay, is he my Lord? Is he somebody that I'm really submissive to or, or obedient to? Is he somebody I really truly believe in? Or is it just, or is my words, when I say I believe in him, is it just empty? Okay, so this is where, you know, something like an examination of conscience comes in. Do I really is he for me who I, who I proclaim him to be? Okay. And am I living, if I say he is my Lord and my God, am I living my life according to his will? 
to his word, okay, to his law. Okay, so when I, when, you know, you follow me? Yeah, so totally. So if, if, who for me is Jesus, okay, because that's what's important, okay? Now, it's important for all of us to, you know, to, to, you know, have this relationship with him, okay? Because we're, we're communal, but if we're not all, you know, on a personal level, you know, reaching or, or trying to build on this relationship, you know, then that, then the whole community suffers. Okay. So for me personally, if I claim him to be my Lord and my, and my Messiah, my God, okay, then, um, how am I reflecting that? How is that reflected in Mm. the way I live and how I behave? Mm. Of course there are. And then I begin to realize, well, I have many shortcomings. Okay. Well, let's not panic. Okay, mm. I'll do the confession and then I'll start anew today, mm. you know, just for today. Jesus, you died for me. Let me just for today live for you. Mm. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. That's wise. Okay, so uh, Rob, you know, a lot of people in the church right now uh, might be feeling um, like all hell literally is breaking loose. Jesus said, Uh, The gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. And when it looks like, for some people anyway, from their perspective, it looks like hell is gaining ground on the church. What do you think uh, could be comforting words if we understood Jesus's um, admonition here properly, that the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail? Does that mean that nothing will ever harm the church? Does that mean uh, that people in the church will never uh, betray it or betray us like so what exactly how, how should we understand his phrase the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it do you think well the ch- within the church you're going to have you're going to have sinners within the church so there the from the physical side of it you know the church is not um perfect in the sense that you've ha- you know we've had popes that haven't been the best right we've had priests we've had just your typical lay people but that does not undermine that jesus's church the catholic church can never be destroyed. I mean, people will try to destroy it from the outside, but the... Well, and some are trying to destroy it from the inside. Well, right. But I mean, but the church, even, you know, even if it came down to where you only had, at the end of the day, you know, 100 100 true Catholics, if you will, that were in the church, it'd still be Jesus' church. But for 2,000 plus years, no doctrine has ever been changed. We've actually come to understand more the doctrines a little better over the years. But in that, so in that sense, it's always been the true church... And I think that's what Jesus meant. You know, nothing, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail, meaning nothing has changed in what we believe. It's been mm. the truth. It's been the teaching of the church for 2000 plus years. So if we just remember that and say, yeah, we're all going to have trials. I mean, you know, a lot of people right now are going through hard times with the virus, a lot of elderly or isolated, right? And all these types of things. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, at the end of the day, we realize, hey, you know what? Okay, that's all that matters. I mean, because... You know, our, our time here on earth, even though, you know, if God even grants us 80 years, that may seem like a lot of time, but in reality, it's nothing, right? Hmm. We just got to keep our eyes on focus on Jesus mm-hmm. and remember that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And just remember something that the, our church has survived scandals far worse. Okay, think about what has brought down superpowers, dynasties, empires, uh, major corporations, scandals that wipe them out. The church has been through and much more. And here we are. And even if every single church building were to be destroyed, you can't. The faith, the the, the faith of Christ of Christ dwells in the in the hearts of the believers. Hmm. And as long as that that is the the case, then the church is alive. 
even if it's a few people, the church still lives. Beautiful. That's right. So you cannot destroy it. And Jesus promised that. And so, you know, it's a done deal. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that awesome. was a great little discussion. Thank you, Robert, for joining yeah, us. Thanks, Robert, for joining and, us. And uh, so we're going to be back next week. Uh, Will, hopefully he'll be able to uh, join us. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Well, if he gets off the road. Yeah. You know. Driving truck. That's right. Got to say a prayer. Keep, uh, keep those, keep those, all those, all 18 yeah. wheels securely on the road. Eastbound and down, roading them <laughs> up and trucking. Next week, here's my teaser trailer for next week. Okay. I will share three, uh, three tips on how to catch more waves. More waves? Yeah, more are waves. You, yeah, surfing. Are you, you going to go surfing? <laughs> oh, really? Are you, are you, really, are you, are you moving back? talk about that? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. Okay, yeah, well, I, have a good, I mean, I used to surf, so I could give there you a tip. There you go. See, you can I, get I into see, that, I can you? Test you if you see if you have a tip. I figure but, all of our uh, New Mexico listeners will be intrigued by this. That's for next time. In the meantime, yeah. Father. Well, do you, wait, wait, are you thinking about going back to Hawaii? No, I'm just, I got I get emails and, you know, this is part of, part of, this is the kind of stuff I get emails over. Okay. How to catch more waves. In the meantime, Father, how do we catch uh, more uh, episodes of the Catholic Beef and Holy Smokes? Um, yeah, so um, uh, sjvnm.org, of course, Google Play and uh, iTunes. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, don't forget to write a review. I'm looking if, to see if we have any new reviews, and I don't see anything as of yet. Okay. So, um, you know, come on, folks. Follow, follow all the links, do the thing, and uh, write the thing, and let us know about the thing. And if you've got any um, cigar reviews or want to yeah. come and have a smoke with us, let us know. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I mentioned uh, Spencer Harris, you know, our, our Navy friend. Yeah. He says he's sending us some cigars. Soon. Oh, outstanding. Looking forward to that. Shout out okay. to Spencer Harris. Okay. Very hip, everybody. Hey, so uh, speaking of building uh, churches, don't S- forget J- that you can donate if you want to give uh, to a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called S, uh, it's called sjvnm.org is the mm-hmm. website. That's right. And you go to donate and you scroll down. There you go. Okay. All right. So uh, next week, uh, more fun. Join us then. God bless. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com dot app slash breadbox.